Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Good morning. Hello. Yes. Uh, I, I, please bring candy. Clearly, Pastor Ricardo needs it. And I'm glad he clarified it and bring plastic eggs because he kept saying bring eggs. I'm like, that's going to be really gross to have kids hunting for real eggs out there to throw them at each other. So anyway, welcome. I'm so glad to be with you guys today as we kick off this series, Crushing It. Uh, looking at the logo for this series actually makes me feel thirsty, like I should be having a giant orange crush, uh, a soda. Uh, but it's really going to be one of those great days where we get to, you know, just see what God wants to do as we open up this whole thing. I love this idea of 40 miles of prayer as well. Just seeing the progress, the footsteps on the wall represent people walking out, praying for the community, going into the world, being what Jesus calls us to be. And it's what a great place for us to be able to do that. So we're kicking off this new series today, Crushing It. And when you crush it, uh, that means you're winning. If you're not hip to the lingo, uh, which I'm not, I, I'm the opposite of hip and cool, but I heard crushing it uh, is, is a term that means to win at something. You're doing very well at this thing you set out to do. Maybe even exceeded the goal you'd set for yourself. Where crush it, uh, it means you can, you can crush it at work, you can crush it at home, in your relationships. It, if, you, if, you, if you're old, like me, and you think crushing it, it means like, oh, I'm destroying these things. Like, when I, I'm going to crush you, right? No, this is actually the opposite. It's a good thing. So change your mindset, because that's what church does for itself. Let's reflect, refocus our mindset, and that's what crushing it's all about. You know when you're crushing it, right? Have you ever felt that moment when you're winning at something? At work, at home? At school, in life, has anybody felt like they crushed anything this last week? Okay, good. Some, there's some good crushing going on. That's awesome. Um, it, maybe, you're having, maybe you have a crush on someone. That's another way. That's a different type of crush, but it's entirely different. But you know when you're crushing it, and you also are painfully aware when you're not crushing it. Anybody have that this week? Like, oh man, I really did not crush it at all. I our hope is that when we look at the, the ways that we can crush it in our lives, we'll be encouraged to see this success uh, that happens. And success, we don't mean wealth. We don't mean uh, the trappings of fame. We don't mean all the stuff that the world says this is what success is. When we talk about crushing it, we know it's not something that we can do on our own. The success means overcoming all the stuff that holds us back, that pushes us down, that stops us from being exactly who God has called and created us to be. Crushing it can actually only be done under His strength, under His power, and completely in line with His plan and His purpose for our lives. I get it, because when we hear things uh, like this from pastors, um, they're on stage going, you can totally crush it this week. Go crush it. God wants you to crush it. And you're like, okay, that's easy for you, pastor. You're up there. God talks to you, gives you a sermon. He gives you words to say at church. He gives you a much better looking wife than you deserve, which is totally true for me. Uh, and your kids, wow, they, uh, they sure look like their mom, don't they? Yes, they do. I'll tell you honestly, I'm not a guy who always crushes it. I have days where I feel like I, I barely make it through. Times when my wife and I fight over really dumb things. And I mean, if we're going to have a fight, it's never about something important. We don't fight about money. We don't fight about uh, like how we spend our time. It's like literally, it's dumb. Anybody else out there have a big fight over something stupid this week? Okay, good. I'm not alone in that. You see, we're like each other. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, my kids, they're really cute, good-looking kids, but sometimes 
they're just awful people. <laughs> they're all four of them are sitting back there right now. Too. They're like, thanks, Dad. That was great. But it's true. I love my, we had a great drive up here. We live in Chino Hills driving up here for, for service this morning. And I got to tell you, I love being with my kids. But sometimes I'm like, you guys are freaking driving me crazy. When they're getting along, it's almost worse than when they're not getting along. It's like 10 times louder and everything. And so you're like, oh, they're totally crushing their relationships. But right now they're crushing my eardrums. Sometimes I, I struggled even to figure out what I'm going to say in a sermon. I, when Pastor Ricardo asked me to, to kick off this series called Crushing, I'm like, Pastor Ricardo, I don't even use the term crushing it in my everyday life. That's not a term I use. And then he's like, well, no, no, really think of it. I'm like, okay, Lord, help me figure out how to really do this thing which is called destroying our obstacles, overcoming the things in life that hold us back and hold us down. When we get to that point where we struggle figuring out how do we crush it, it helps us, we kind of get to the point where we start to doubt that maybe God really knows what he is doing. Not about the world and the big things. I fully trust God to take care of everything that's been going on in our world for the last, it feels like it's been forever. But then I look back, I'm like, well, I grew up in the 70s and life was really not great then either with gas lines and inflation and wars and okay, God's still in control. He owns it all. It's his. I don't, God, I 100% trust you about the big stuff. That's easy for me to hang on to. But uh, I, I, I kind of stress out about sometimes like, uh, hey, am I doing everything that God wants me to do? Am I being all that God wants me to be? And then uh, I look at all the things I've done in my life. I'm not perfect. I have completely messed up big time so many times in my life. And I look at all those failures, all those things that I've done, and I know God's forgiven them. My wife has forgiven them. My kid, people that I've wronged, they've forgiven me. But I look and I go, look at that. How can God ever do anything with me? How can I crush it in my spiritual life when I'm a giant mess of a human being? Anyone else ever wonder if God really wanted you? I mean, literally, he's like, I want you. They're like, me? Me? You sure about that, God? Have you looked in my closet? Have you looked at my past? Have you seen the stuff I've done? The person who yelled at the kids on the way to church? You want the, the person who got irritated at the Starbucks barista because the order was wrong? You want the person who did that one thing that one time, and you know exactly what it is that you did, and you wonder sometimes, have I ever really been forgiven for that? You, the person who threw a chair at your little brother one time and knocked him out and then convinced him not to tell his mom and dad? Oh, wait, that was me. <laughs> you get it, right? Insecurity, fear, worry. If God really wants us and really wants us to, to, to be who he's truly called us to be, then yeah, we have to get past that. For us to crush it, for us to have the success he wants, we're going to have to start where one of our biggest heroes of the Bible had to start out. That's right. If we're, if we're going to really crush it in life and overcome an obstacle, one of the biggest obstacles that holds us back, we have to start with one of the most seminal moments of faith in the entirety of Scripture. You may not know the Bible. You may be first looking at it, whether you're online, whether you're with us right here. This is your first time you've been kind of catching the idea of who God is. You probably have heard this story. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest, of Mid the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. 
there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. If you remember the best non-Disney animated film ever made, or if you're old enough to remember your Charlton Heston, you probably remember the story of Moses. If you're not sure, I'll give you the quick summary. He was born to Hebrew slaves in Egypt, rescued from death, and raised as a member of the royal family in the house of Pharaoh. As a prince of Egypt, he has all he's ever wanted. In fact, in the animated movie, he sings that song. All I've ever wanted, I have everything right here. And then he sees an Egyptian guard beating a Hebrew slave and something snaps. He kills the guard and flees Egypt, vowing never to return. He forsakes his past as a prince of Egypt. He puts it all away and becomes a humble shepherd in the land of Midian. Moses is tending his sheep when God himself appears. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. We, we don't know what the burning bush looked like exactly, right? In the movies, it's like been like a bush that's on fire with bad special effects. That's the Charlton Heston version. If you watch the animated Prince of Egypt, it's super cool. It's like this blue, like almost gas. It's glowing and it moves and the voice of God speaks out, Moses, Moses. If God spoke to me that way, I would like freaking run the other direction, right? <laughs> It's one thing, if you listen to the movie, The Prince of Egypt, one thing you may not notice is that the voice of God is the same actor who voices Moses himself. The reason they did that was because, really, think about it. If God's going to speak to us and get our attention, he needs to speak in a voice that we're familiar with. Imagine that. Moses. Moses. Here I am, says Moses. It's an ordinary day. He's been a prince of Egypt, but now he's a shepherd. He's happy being a shepherd, content to be out in the desert, far from the worry and the strife and tension back home. The Bible doesn't come out and say it, but God is going to. Moses is not where he's supposed to be. He's not doing what he was born to do, and he's definitely not being who God has created him to be. Moses, in his worry and his fear, has run as far from his calling as he possibly can. And God isn't going to let him get away with that. Sneak preview. He's not going to let us get away with it either. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. The stuff that Moses saw, the things that made him run from Egypt in the first place, God reminds him that he sees it too. He knows what's going on. He's also done with it. 
as the verse says, God is going to come down to rescue them. Moses is probably thinking, yes, good. They need that. Good for you, God. Rescue those people. But then as Moses congratulates God for doing what needs to be done, God says, oh, and buddy, you're going to be the one to do it. Moses' response is less than enthusiastic. (laughs) His insecurity, his worry, his fear stop him. The Bible says it this way. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who who am I to lead the people uh, of Israel out of Egypt? Have you ever had that response yourself when it comes to something you know you've been asked to do? Have you felt like that day when something in life says, hey, hey you, this is your time, this is your moment, this is the day, and you kind of take a step back and say, um, no. I mean, it's me. It's me. (laughs) Who am I? I'm nobody. And God is saying to you, you can be the best husband in the world. He's saying you can be an amazing mom. He's saying, I have this incredible new place I want you to go. He's telling you, look, I've got this thing for you to do. Let's do it together. And instead of stepping forward in confidence and enthusiasm and excitement and faith, we look around and say, God, are you sure you're talking to me? I, 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 I can't be the best husband in the world. I, I was unfaithful. I, I can't be an amazing mom. Sometimes my kids make me absolutely insane and I yell at them. I can't change jobs. It's too risky to do that right now. Even though I'm miserable, I, I'll just stay where I'm at. Like Moses, we say, who am I? And God says, hey, idiot. Why are you being so stupid? I'm not going to make you do this alone. Okay, just for clarity's sake, that's not what it says in the Bible. <laughs> even though he could. Even though I, Don't you think God just wants to come out and just say it sometimes? Hey, stupid, you're so dumb. I'm literally burning a bush without catching on fire. I'm speaking to you. The bush is speaking to you. And you're like, I'm not sure if I should do this or not. What's going on? God's like, hey, dummy, get up and get going. But instead, because he's God, and he has the patience of eternity, God answers, I will be with you. That should be enough. If the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator himself, The one who sang the sun and the moon and the stars into place says to us, I will be with you. Then we should throw our shoulders back, take a deep breath, and take that first step, right? Okay, whoa, yeah, God's with me. I got this. Woohoo! Moses is standing in front of a bush that is on fire, but it's not burning up. He's talking to it. And the voice in the bush literally knows his name and explains everything Moses is running from. If I was worried at any point, I hope I'd lose my insecurity at that moment. I hope I would. Because God himself says, don't worry about going to Egypt. I am coming with you. Moses should be ready to run back to Egypt at that point, right? God's coming. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of my fathers? The one who promised Abraham he'd be a father of many nations? 
The God of Joseph? The one with, who saved Egypt back to... You're coming with me? That's like when the bully in the, in the playground like, says something mean to you, and you're like, I don't know what to do now. And then the bully kind of backs down. You're like, why is it? You're like, so you stand up. So the bully's like, I got bullied a little bit. I don't know if you can guess. I'm, I'm short. And uh, when I was in, in school, I got teased for being short, which shouldn't have bothered me because the fact is, I'm short. <laughs> and that should be like, not a surprise. Someone's like, oh, you're so short. I was just like, what? <laughs> One time I remember this bully was saying this mean thing to me. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm trying to look tough. And first of all, I, I've never been that tough kid because like, I would stand like this, like Peter Pan. Which doesn't inspire a lot of fear in bullies, right? Like, okay, come on, what are you going to do? Fly to Neverland? You know? <laughs> so I'm like trying to stand tough one night, and this bully's saying this mean thing to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, I'm not going to back down. You're, you're just mean. You're not. And suddenly he's like looked nervous and got scared and then ran the other direction. I'm like, yes, I am powerful. And then I kind of looked over my shoulder and <laughs> And all my friends that were front, they were all standing behind me like this. I'm like, oh, I don't need to be powerful. I just need to have powerful friends. I need to have the right people behind me. And that's Moses right now. He's, he's scared, but why should he be? He's got God coming behind him. Let's go. But no, no, that's not what happens. Moses protests again and makes an excuse about the people not really knowing who it was that was asking them to go well, who, who, who should I say sent me? And God answers, probably a little perturbed, although the Bible doesn't say. And then God, who was getting irritated with Moses' insecurity, said, the Bible says this way, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Whew. You think that would be enough? You think God telling Moses he's not alone, telling him his unique and wonderful name, I am who I am, the one who is everything, who is everywhere, who will be what we need him to be, exactly when we need him to be, what we need him to be, would be enough. But Moses, <laughs> but Moses, protests again. And God says, look, if they don't believe you, I'll freak him out a bit. I'll turn your staff into a snake. I'll give you leprosy. Take it away again. I'll even turn water from the river Nile into blood. You've got a purpose. You've got support. You have a plan. Now please go and do this thing. Moses coughs. And <coughs> oh, yeah. But you see, God, I'm not really good at talking to people. And God, I get tongue-tied. I get all nervous. <laughs> you see? Is it just, just what happened right there? I'm a scared guy. <laughs> so God says, who made your mouth? Moses, if I can make your mouth and your tongue, your eyes, your ears, I can easily give you the words to say. Now go. How many of us are like Moses in a moment like this? How many of us don't step out? We shy away from the good thing God has for us because we're hesitant, because our, our insecurities are telling us that we're inadequate. We're not good enough. 
this incredible thing standing in front of, 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 of us isn't for us at all. It's for somebody else. You, you really don't mean me, God. You really mean someone better, stronger, taller, faster, more successful. They have more money. They've got a better relationship. Right, God? You mean all of those people. Listen to me, please. In this moment, please, like what God is telling Moses, be what he is telling you. Moses had every doubt and worry and fear and insecurity in the book. And all of it was stopping him from saying yes to what God wanted him to do. Your insecurities are going to tell you things that just are not true. Your insecurity is saying, nobody knows who you are. God is calling your name. Your insecurity is saying, your life is just something that's happening to you. I don't really know what's going on. It's just my life's just going on its thing. And God is telling you, I have a plan. Your insecurity tells you that you'll never figure out who you are or what you should do. God says, I have a purpose. Your insecurity says that the things you struggle with are too hard for God. But God says that he made you. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he will help you. Maybe your insecurity is doing this. It's telling you, whatever you're facing right now, that you are alone. You're facing this dark moment in your life, this hard thing. God, I'm just, I'm just all alone. But God is literally saying to you what he said to Moses. I will be with you. What on earth is holding us back? Why on earth are we stopping ourselves from, from moving forward? I, I wish after all this that Moses would lick, jump up and, and grab his wife and kids and go back to Egypt, ready to stand before Pharaoh and say those famous words we know he's supposed to say, let my people go. But he's not. Even after all of this, He's got a purpose, he's got a plan, and what does Moses do? He protests. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Finally, God is done. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Now the Lord gets angry with Moses? I mean, if it was me, if I was God, I would have smacked him after the first protest. What? Psh! Burn the bush up. Do something. What is wrong with you, idiot? You will let my people go because I told you to. Now move your butt back to Egypt and get out of here. Sorry, I said butt. Move your rear end back to Egypt, oh holy man. <laughs> God finally has enough. He removes the last excuse. Moses is worried. Moses needs someone there for him besides God. I mean, people, who else do we need? If God is for us, who could be against us, right? If he says he's there with us, we don't need anybody else. But God also knows we are weak, messed up, insecure people, and he loves us in spite of it, and he still has the plan and the purpose for our lives so in spite of his anger, in spite of his irritation with Moses, he's like, okay, Moses, all right, what about, what about your brother, Aaron? Can he go with you? God has given Moses 
everything he needs at this point. He has a calling. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a partner. It's time to go. It took long enough. But what happens next after all this? He does exactly what God called him to do. When the conversation at the burning bush first started, Moses goes to Egypt and does what? Spoiler alert. He leads the people out of slavery. Finally. After all of that hesitation, all of that worry, all of that insecurity, Moses finally goes out and does the thing. And guess what? He's really bad at it. Wait, no. He crushes it. There's a reason we still tell the story of Moses. Why it's something even most non-religious people have heard about. Moses and the entire book of Exodus and what happens after form the first four books of the Bible. Moses not only crushes it at getting the people out of Egypt, he pretty much crushes it for God the rest of his life. He may have had doubts, he may have had worries, he may have had every excuse in the book, but when he finally gets his rear in gear and does what God called him to do, holy cow, there is no stopping him. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your life. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to forget the insecurities that are telling us that we aren't good enough, that you've made too many mistakes, that the past is too dark and the future is not bright. It's time to stop listening to words that don't encourage you, stop listening to words that don't build you up, and start listening to the one who says, I created you, I know what I have for you, go out and do it because I will be with you. Yes, amen. Paul says it this way. The Apostle Paul says it this way. This is, you know, thousands of years later. He says it this way in the book of Philippians. Hold firmly to the word of life. He doesn't say hold firmly to the word of insecurities. Hold firmly to the things that make you feel bad about yourself when you look in the mirror. Hold firmly to that time that you were mean. Those aren't words of life. Hold firmly to the words of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. When Christ comes again, don't we want to say, holy cow, this is awesome. I wasn't useless. I want to be used by God. I don't want to be useless for God. If he calls me and gives me a plan and a purpose, he's given me partners. That's you guys. That's my family. We're partners in, 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 in this thing together, this faith that we have, this 40 miles of prayer, all the stuff we're doing here at Journey to, to grow not just our church, but to grow the kingdom of God is because God has called us and partnered with us and said, hey, you are part of this. Come on, let's go, let's do it. Philippians 2.13 says it this way, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Did you catch that? He's going to give you the desire, which means you're going to want to do it. Not like you're having to do algebra. If you're a math teacher, I'm sorry. But algebra, come on. No one has the desire to do algebra. But God's going to give you the desire. And not only is he going to give you the desire, he's going to give you the power to see it through. Everything he promised to Moses. Moses, I will be with you. People, God will be with you. Do you want people to be able to say about you, wow, they are totally crushing it. 
when it comes to your life, here's how we do it. We put aside the voices that tell us all the reasons why we can't do something, and we start listening to the one voice, the one true voice that says to us, like he said to Moses, I will be with you. Let me put it one last way. Imagine that I'm sitting on the sidelines at a football game. Yes, it's very unlikely that will ever happen. I am not a football fan. But we're doing imagination right now. Imagination. I'm sitting on the sidelines of a football game next season. Suddenly a voice comes over the stadium sound system. Dwayne, Dwayne, the voice calls. I stand up because I, I know there's nobody else in the stadium with the same weird name that I have. Dwayne, I have seen the suffering of the people here. The team has been struggling and I have come to rescue them, but I need you to get in the game and help me do it. I hesitate. I, I'm not sure about this. I'm not built for this. I think, should I be the one to play this game? I even say that. Who am I to play football and help this team? The voice answers, you are the one I have chosen. I know you may doubt yourself, but I'm not letting you go onto the playing field alone. I hesitate again, but, but who are you? When everyone asks me why I'm on the field, why do I tell them? And who do I tell them told me to suit up and save the game? The voice says, Dwayne, can't you tell? You're in Denver. I am Russell Wilson, and I will be with you. Sorry, Pastor Ricardo. <laughs> if Russell Wilson got, came up to me and said, let's go play the game together, I'd be like, okay. I may get beat up a lot. I may be pretty bruised when it's all over. But at the end of the day, if he calls me and asks me to help him out, he's probably going to make sure I get through it okay. God is going to do the same thing for us. We may get bruised. We may get beat up. We may have some things happen along the way, but we're not going to be alone. We're going to make it through together. Our insecurities, our insecurities about what we do, our insecurities about who we are, our insecurities about why we live, all of these are nothing compared to what will happen when we give our fears and our failures, our concerns about not being good enough or smart enough or old enough or any of the other things that we say about ourselves when we stop listening to these voices and listen to God, when we hear his plan, his purpose, when we know he's going to be our partner, well then yes, we will totally, completely crush it. He had a specific plan and a purpose for Moses. He has a plan and a purpose specifically created for you and you and you all of us. He promises to be our partner every step of the way. You see, when we're willing, he will give us the strength and the courage to do what he's called us to do. When he says your name, when he calls your name, and he will, if he's not done it yet, he's going to, and he'll do it over and over again. The longer you know him, the better he's going to know your name, and the more he's going to say, hey, you, come on, we're going to do this. Do we want to be like Moses and say, eh, I don't think so, God? Do we want to have God have to give us reason after reason and explain to us? Or should we just say, okay, God, you've called my name. You're going to be with me. Okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go. 
I'm going to go into the new thing you have for me. I can be the husband you've called me to be. I can be the wife that you want me to be, the mom, the dad, the kid, the student. I can go to the new job and I can crush that thing because, God, you opened the door for me there. If God opens the door, it's because he wants us to walk through it. If he opens the door, he doesn't want you to keep standing there looking at it going, well, that's pretty nice on the other side of that. If someone offers you an ice cream sundae and you're not lactose intolerant, you don't go, wow, that looks really delicious. And then watch it melt until it's gone. If you're like me, you rush in and you dig in. Let's dig in. Stand up with me, please. God is calling all of us to go in and do something for him. Like Moses, we have reasons why we shouldn't, but I'm going to say it again. He's going to give you a purpose. He has a plan. You have the best partner you could ever ask for in him. God says, I will be with you. When he's with us, there's no stopping what he can do. He opens the door. Let's walk through it. Let's pray. Father God, we want to crush it in life. We want to overcome the obstacles that hold us back. And God, the, the, the biggest one we're facing sometimes right now is ourselves. The things that say we're not good enough will never be fill in the blank. But God, you filled in the blank and said, you're mine. I created you. I called you. I have a purpose for you. So God, this week, this month, this year, can you just open the doors for us? And when you open the door, give us the courage to walk through. When you call our name, you say, come, let's go do this thing. Help us to run toward the thing that you're calling us to come to. And God, if we're facing something tough this week at home, in our relationships, whatever it is, God, I just pray. I pray that we will remember what you said to Moses. You'll say it to us when we're in our car. When you say it to us when we're in those moments we're facing a loved one in the hospital. We're facing something hard at work. A relationship at home that's not going well. God, what did you say to Moses? You said, I will be with you. Be with us. And we will be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.